All right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited. Uh, let me just mute this over here because I forget to do that every time when this changes. Uh, really appreciate everybody for hopping in, and we've got a very special episode for you today. My guy Swipa in the house. We are excited on this one. Weekends with Swipa is back, and we are ready to go here. Uh, should be a good day. Uh, excited for you, my guy. What's how's how's it going this day? Doing all right, bro. Just over here enjoying the day. Um, trying to make the most of it, bro. You know, blessed to be here. Blessed to be here for sure. We got a good time going in. Uh, for Weekends with Swiper, the first episode of the season, everybody. Swiper is going to be back with us here at Mile High Sports. Uh, and we're going to be doing a, a weekend episode every single week for you guys. Uh, going to be a good time. Usually, I, I went through the schedule and tried to figure out what made sense for us. Uh, it'll probably mostly go on Saturdays, but there will be some Sunday episodes in there for sure. And we can, uh, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it based off of the actual schedule. But we had so much success with this last year, dude. We might as well run it back. And I'm, uh, I'm excited to be doing this again with you. Yeah, I'm excited, man. It's, uh, definitely going to be an interesting year. A lot of different stuff that's on the horizon. I feel like I'm a little higher on some players than, uh, Ryan Blackburn is, but we'll find out. You know, like we're we're definitely we're definitely a little bit at odds in terms of some of the guys, in terms of some of the the names that that are, are dropping for sure. But the good news is that like the Nuggets have enough guys on their roster that we can each have our own guys. We can each have different players that we can uh, stand within the the actual regular season rotation, and we'll see what happens by the playoffs. But the premise of this episode: uh, make sure to go follow Swipe Up. Make sure to go follow me. Uh, premise of this episode is to do the ultimate season preview. And I have 10 questions that I have not shared with Swipe yet. He's done all of these questions before or variations of these questions on his other platforms as well, whether it's the Swipe Cam YouTube channel or now Locked on Nuggets. Congratulations on that, my friend. Uh, but we've got so many different things that we could get into here. And I think the best thing to do uh, starting is uh, is talk about Nikola Jokic. What does Nikola Jokic have in store for us this season? Because it seems like he brings something new every single year. And I'm curious what you think the new thing will be this time around. Mm, yeah. I had a little bit of this conversation with Adam on the uh, Locked On podcast a little bit. But I think for me, it feels like Joker is in a little bit different place than he was in previous preseason. He had 15 shots he shot during the last game, 25 points, 14 rebounds, eight assists to steal, three of six from three. And I think he was six and nine from two as well by being four or five from the line. That equals a 72.67% true shooting. So I think if a player of his caliber is more aggressive in the following season and then in, in the following preseason, and then seems to have an idea. And, bro, I don't know if you've been keeping up with these uh, little uh, NBA.com specials that are coming out about the Denver Nuggets. But I, I haven't. Uh, that That's one thing that with the release of my own pod this week that I just – it's com gone completely over my head. Right. So he had a, uh, a very interesting quote 
uh, over the course of the interview that came out exclusive, I think, for NBA.com. And he basically said, I don't listen to people. Uh, well, he said, I don't listen to people in general uh, in terms of, I think, talking about criticism or media members. But what he said was, I definitely don't listen to people that never picked up the basketball before or average less than five points a game. Um, they've never understood what it felt like to play in front of a crowd. They never felt that pressure before. And I was like, <laughs> ball, ball, don't stop joker out yeah. of the middle of nowhere. What, what, are we, what are we even covering this for? Like, what what are, what are we even doing now? <laughs> like, I mean, look, hey, speak for yourself. I averaged more than five points a game in high school, so I can speak. I feel like I can speak to this or whatever else, yeah. you know. But I will say, but I will say is that I think this is an interesting turn for Joker. I don't think it's an arrogant. Obviously, it's not like an arrogance thing, but it's just look. I think he knows he's the baddest man on the planet, and when you know you're the baddest man on the planet, and you at the apex of your powers. I don't know, but that's and, and you know, can't nobody do nothing about it. That's the thing. Like, you can't do nothing about it. You ain't gonna stop me. And then if you try to stop me, I'm here from over the head, Larry Bird, 1986 shot right over your head, Anthony Davis. It's so funny, man. Like he he continues to evolve before our eyes, and the giddy, happy to be here version of Joker is gone. And I think it's been replaced by that killer that I know you and Adam talked about this before, but it, it, he really is a killer and mm -hmm. he has carried himself that way. I, I thought it was funny. The uh, one of the possessions that stood out to me in the last preseason game was when they went, when they went zone out of the timeout and yeah. he picks off the pass because he reads it perfectly how many times have you ever seen Jokic pick off a pass on defense like that before? It's just, he usually tips it. He usually reaches out and then grabs it. This dude, like he, he completely engulfed the pass and then ran the fast break and lobbed it up to AG. Mm -hmm. I mean, he is, I think at a different level of focus and intensity and want to this year, which is insane because I know he's had to deal with a lot of pressure over the course of these last few years, but it seems like as the pressure has ratcheted up, he has responded in kind. And that's what killers do. That's what uh, that's what the greatest do. Yeah, I think it's interesting that Joker was, I think there was a lot of stuff he revealed last year, even in the comments to Vic Lombardi, the great Vic Lombardi, uh, Mr. Colorado himself, um, when he said that, you know, of uh, the stat padding contracts, uh, comments, when he got the hover triple doubles, he said, yeah, not bad for a stat patter. You know, it's easy to get a 100 triple-double when you stat pad. And it's like he heard all that stuff, and I know he never addressed it. It's really hard to address, to be honest with you. The comments were so ludicrous and put you in such a weird situation. He never addressed the white boy comments from Kendrick Perkins. But, I mean, at that point, I think it legitimately everybody has said, I think he just gave the MVP award up at that point. I think a player that's at the apex of his powers, that, and then on top of that, I know, look, we can say – it's nothing. And ESPN is doing clickbait stuff. But I, if, if, if there was an article that came out, they did a player ranking, Ryan, in 1991, in the summer in the summer of 91, going into the 91-92 season, and you're sitting here telling me you got Charles Barkley or Magic Johnson at the age that he was as the number one player in the world over Michael Jordan, then I'm, I'm feeling away. And Joker – just averaged 30, 13, and 10 on 63% true shooting, 16 and 4 record, 30, 14, and 7 versus the Miami Heat. That Giannis got 4 1 by. That ran through the Boston Celtics. Five games. 
and you telling me that I'm the second best player in the room. All right. That's that this this sounds like it might be his Kobe season where he's just like, look, y'all can't do nothing about it. And I'm gonna do whatever I want any given night. And and I'm gonna go with a championship. Hey, man, if he, if he can do that, then I mean nobody can talk, nobody can say anything about him anymore. And I know that he doesn't like he doesn't really care about that stuff. He doesn't really listen to that stuff, but it is kind of cool. Does he not care, or is it that he just it's not at the forefront of his conversation? I, I I think he does care a little bit based on what I've what he said and communicated. Even you know, he even said he admitted it, like you gotta be a fanatic. You got to be a fanatic to be good at the game, you yeah. know? And so I think I think he's a little obsessive about it. I just think that it's just not as uh, industrialized as other players' obsession. It's very possible. And and we'll we'll find out over the course of this year, but it is very cool to be able would you, to would see. You, oh, by the way, would you say some people wouldn't think that you're obsessive? Ryan Blackburn, the great, great Ryan Blackburn, great voice, great hair, a great mind. People don't realize behind the scenes, Ryan is a savage. He is a savage. <laughs> He doesn't talk about it, but that man puts in work behind the scenes. He is trying to make miracle happen behind the scenes. Would you say that Ryan's not obsessive about his job? Oh, I know. I'm not. And I don't let Ryan creep up on me. I I Don't call me Anthony Davis. You ain't sneaking up on me, Ryan Blackburn. <laughs> man, I appreciate it. No, it's been, uh, especially with the release of the show, this has been, like, people don't realize how much work it takes in to get 30 YouTube videos out in six days. Right. It's right. It's been... Fun. It's been wild. So, and then like the audio side of things too. But hey, uh, we ain't here to talk about me. But I appreciate the compliment. Thank you for uh, thank you for oh, that. What did you launch? What is this podcast called, Ryan? Oh well, I'm glad you asked. It's called the Alley Oop with Ryan Blackburn, and it is a national TV or it's a national podcast that is both on the YouTube and audio sides, audio platforms. And it's <laughs> thank you for setting me up. By the way. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's been, it's been a wonder to release it and Dane Moore, Tony Jones, Caitlin Cooper, Danny Meringue, like you, you name names, Ty Windish is on this thing. There, there are so many awesome people that are associated with this show and it is going to be a look around show for every team in the NBA and no team is going to feel left out in this show. That's my that's my goal with this. No fan is going to be left out with this show. So it's going to be fun. Going to be interesting to see how it's received. But it's it's been received pretty well so far. And I, I really do, I really do appreciate all the love. So thank you, my guy. Nice, uh, nice natural plug there for sure. No, uh, I'm proud of you, bro. I'm excited for you too. It's going to be fun. Thank you, dude. Um, let's chat about Jamal Murray before we hit another break, or before we hit a break. Uh, can Jamal Murray prop up these bench units? Because I think that's one thing that we have noticed over the course of his career, over the course of the Nuggets kind of tenure, that Jokic is going to run those first and third quarters, basically. But then it's beginning of that second, beginning of that fourth quarter, that Denver is at their most vulnerable. And over the course of Jamal's kind of healthy tenure, as he's as he's grown into himself, he has developed as as the stagger option for the Nuggets, where he he leads those units a lot of times. Can he do it this year? Uh, because without Bruce Brown and and with some changes to that second unit, it's a lot more unsettled this time around. Yeah, I think this is one of the interesting things. Is I feel like Jamal. I think people have this conversation about, like, you know, look at Jamal's numbers without Joker. And I'm like, well, 
to be fair, like these defensively slanted, you know, backup options. Like now, if it's him, it's him and Aaron Gordon in the playoffs. Like that's why the bench was like palpable. Like it wasn't like the non-Joker minutes. It was just the non-Joker, but it was being supported by Jamal, sometimes Michael, and also Aaron Gordon lifting up these lineups. So I do think that Jamal Murray can be better this year because I think he's going to be hunting the important shots a little bit more. I think his free throw rate can be better when Joker's off the court. I think that his playmaking can still be uh, at a high level when Joker's off the court. And I also think his three-pointer, like that that three-point shot, like, you know, I think the last 57 games or so, Ryan, last year, I think he averaged eight three-point shots a game and he shot 41% on them. I think when you're with the bench, you got to excel. Like, you got to get to the rim and get foul calls and then you got to take good quality three-point shots. So that's for sure what I'm thinking about is like, how do you get access to some of that stuff where don't take a lot of those, now again, not don't, but it's harder to get good mid-range turnaround attempts up when you have, without the best offensive player, you know, outside of, yeah, (laughs) Steph Curry, LeBron, Michael, and Magic or something, you know, on the court with you. I think that getting to high-quality three-pointers, getting the high-quality looks at the rim and creating high-quality looks at the rim and three-pointers. But again, you know what's going to help? It's having Julian Strother, who I think is a line of block, by the way. We'll get to that in a little bit. Ooh. I think Julian Strother is going to be a line of block. I think that having Christian Brown there, that's three players. So how do you feel about that? If Jamal Murray is with Christian Brown, Julian Strother, and then probably Zeke Najee at the five, and then you're going to have Peyton, uh, Tyson, and then, uh, you know, Holiday, oh, yeah, Holiday that are going to be rotating in that spot, do you think that's a better unit? for him to try to carry this year. I think so. I I think one of the things that really stood out about last year's group uh, was the lack of spacing around Jamal, where Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, whether it's Zeke Najee or DeAndre Jordan or Thomas Bryant, and then Jeff Green, like that's not a good spacing group. And Who's the best three-point shooter there, Jeff Green? In the regular uh, season? Oh no, not like Jeff. Jeff was horrible during the regular season shooting wise. So well, probably, Brian Bruce was shooting forty for a while, then it yeah, dropped to probably like Bruce. But like, I mean, he, especially in the second half, he kind of dropped off too. So right. I, I do think that I think that Julian Strother would be a big deal to add to that group, and I honestly think that Justin Holiday will be good for that group too. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens. Like, I mean, he's not going to play all the time, uh, and I I don't think that he should play all the time. But uh, I think that Christian Brown should be an improved three-point shooter. They've been talking about him up a, a little bit. And then Zeke Naji, like if he's actually going to break through this year, then he's going to have to attempt a three a game. And he's going to have to be relatively consistent with it. He cannot just be a six-foot-nine undersized center rolling to the basket all the time. He's got to be Ryan able Blackburn, to. Uh... <laughs> Mr. Stats. Mr. Stats himself. Uh, didn't, didn't remember that. Didn't remember that. <laughs> underselling the man the myth the legend deandre jordan himself uh my my fault dj um (laughs) but uh no it's going to be fascinating i do think that strother specifically will be helpful i mean the the play that comes to mind in the preseason obviously is where he rotates up to the top of the key while jamal is going down the left side of the paint and whips it back up to the top like how many teams can realistically guard that on a consistent basis, I, I think is a is a good question. When when Jamal is dealing that way, and he is seeking out himself, his shooting opportunities for himself and his teammates, he is going to be able to prop up a lot of those groups if they have the right spacing. Yeah, look, I think that look, I'm not gonna hold you. 
I'm not trying to gas it either because you know I like to be a little realistic when it comes to young players. I don't expect anything other than up and down play, but I think contributing positively. Positively, I think Julian Strother is going to have the best rookie impact among any player the Nuggets have seen since uh, probably Michael. And I don't, and I mean like Christian Brown was still a good player. Like you'll hear me say like Christian was obviously the next bet. But remember, sure. Christian by game two had once he had that defensive performance versus Jordan Poole and Steph Curry and them. Everyone's like, oh, Christian can play. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, got that steal on Jordan Poole, ripped yeah. him, went down the court with, uh, <laughs> with the English. You know, I was like, oh, was okay. Nice. You know, nice. you know, you you know my position on Christian Brown. He's Alex Caruso with great hair. Yeah. I've been consistent on my position about him. But Julian Strother, I actually like the way he dribbles. I like the way he's able to create his own shot. I like his ability to, I want to say, like, he's not a driver. But I think he can get close enough and create enough pressure towards the rim, not at the rim, towards the rim, to get a quality shot himself or to collapse the defense. And I think the fact that he is – Ryan, I'm, I'm not going to hold you. I think that the th- best three-point shooters for the Nuggets this year, maybe the first 42, because, you know, I mean, KCP shot 48% for the first, I think, 30 games, and then it was 46 the first uh, – I think it was the first 40 uh, – well, 50 games, and it goes to the All-Star break, basically. I think Michael Porter Jr., KCP, and I'm going to say Jamal and Julian Strother are probably your four best shooters. And I don't know if Julian is going to be four on that list. So that's yeah. what I'm trying to figure out. Well, then obviously a Jokic. But, you know, Jokic is a – that's a. am sorry. He's just shot 46% from three in a, in a, in a playoff yeah. run. I don't even know how to quantify his three-point shooting. I, I think I, I made the prediction on after – or during the game on Thursday that he would shoot like – 39.8% from three this year because he'll be above 40 for the first like 57 games of the year. And then he'll shoot one of 15 in March because that's just what he's going to do, but right. uh, should be fine. Like I, I think that Jamal, do you think Jamal makes an all-star team? We've already had this conversation, Ryan, <laughs> you know, what my answer is Ryan. I yeah. think he's going to be fighting for the third team. I think Jamal Murray, I'm not going to say Mick. I think Jamal Murray will make third team all NBA this year. And I think because his numbers are going to be the best they've ever been, the playmaker could be better than it's ever been. Oh, by the way, Ryan Blackburn, the smart Ryan Blackburn, the intelligent Ryan Blackburn, the wonderful Ryan Blackburn, the guy with the great hair, the guy with the minutes distribution chart that Jamal Murray specifically asked about during media day, by the way. Y'all, did Jamal Murray ask me that question? No. He sure didn't. <laughs> but guess what he asked? All right. Oh, yeah. The minutes distribution. Ah, nerd, nerd, boo. <laughs> listen, listen. So, bro, I think that, like, there's legitimate possibility for, for for him to earn that because I think that, like, if he's at that 24, 23 and a half, and in the preseason, bro, he's been averaging 25 and 9 in per 36. Like, that's, you know, that's that's a different deal. Now, he's not even getting three-point shots. Yeah. So, and I'm saying this too. I'm saying this too. It's not just because of like a natural ability. I just think that Jamal Murray is going to be in a situation where he's probably going to have the ball more, even more than he has in the last couple of years. I think that the touch it that Jokic has gotten, I think he had 98 last year, 0.3, and then he averaged 100 the two years before. Hey, what if Jokic is down to 95, 94, and then Jamal Murray, his touches are going up because he's just better. Like he's just a better playmaker and creator. I think it's very possible. And if, if that does happen, then I think you could sign the check already that he will be an all-star. And I don't see any reason why he shouldn't be. 
uh, part of the reason why people argue against him, especially last year, was because in those lineups that he was without Jokic, he wasn't able to prop those up. So that's why I asked the question, because if he's able to do it, then I think this is a shoo-in kind of conversation. So right. should be fascinating. Um, tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to chat about um, – what are we going to chat about? Let's let's chat about Michael Porter when, when we get back here. But first – Everybody, this podcast, as you know, is brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Why would you bet with the big boys this football season when you could instead try your hand at the local book, Superbook Sports, this fall? Superbook Sports is the book next door. They're just a dedicated team of the best odds makers in Las Vegas, making sure you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now Superbook will give you the bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager on the same day and use that promo code MILEHIGH. So make sure to bet with the best and use that promo code Mile High this football season with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll Weekends with Swipe Edition. And we're back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here, joined by my guy Swipe a Cam on this weekend's with Swipe a Weekend. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. If you're watching on the YouTube, thank you so much. Make sure to hit that like button down below. Uh, do you like the overlay? Do you guys like the new background that we got going on? I think it looks pretty spiffy. I uh, I made this myself with so much so my my strong design skills here. Really, uh, really appreciate what did all, you use, all the I, I use Canva on this one. Yeah. Just uh, I wanted to make sure to plug in that Swipe a Cam logo. Look at that thing. That thing is spiffy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, a little, a little, 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 little uh, nice little snazzy thing I made a couple of years ago that everybody yeah. just kind of attached to. Like, who is this wiper person? All of a sudden, out of this metaphysical place, now look, I am. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, it's uh, it makes a lot of sense, and uh, I, I, I was jealous, so I just made my own podcast with my own name on it. So, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's great. Uh, all right. <laughs> Let's chat about Michael Porter. Let's chat about his role. Uh, hasn't played Ryan Blackburn t-shirts up, everybody. Ryan Blackburn oh, yeah. t-shirts. We it's going to be a one. silhouette with, with no face. You're just going to have your hair and your beard. We got to get one. We got to go with the, the pickaxe ro- ro- uh, logo on the left and the alley-oop logo on the right. That'll be, uh, mm-hmm. that'll be, that'll be spiffy. Um, are the Nuggets going to re- increase Michael Porter's role? He didn't play a minute in the regular, in the preseason. And I think that that kind of works against him in this. No, but he wasn't going to have an expanded role anyway. What's he going to do? Dribble more? Well, he might like, stagger with the with the second unit, and and that's that's one of those things that if he if he were to do so, then you you get yeah, some extra opportunities there. I I think the thing though about them is that do you the most effective two man game basically with the Nuggets is obviously Jokic and Gordon is great, but Joe that Jokic Porter two man game is like a howitzer, like it's unbelievable. <laughs> How freaking good it is. Even as I pulled this up very quickly, because I'm always ready for action, Ryan. Uh, Last year, they had a, when they were on the court together, 1,393 minutes, 126.1 offensive rating, and a 15, a plus 15 net rating. 126 offensive rating, a plus 15 net rating. Oh, the true shooting between the two on the court together, 64.4. That's disgusting. So you you tell me, do you want to separate those minutes? No. No. No, He doesn't need to do anything else. That's the thing. Porter is 
Porter, the only thing you could say is he could have more shot attempts. But, like, even then, if Porter – this is the thing. If Michael Porter Jr. had the same offensive output he had in, in the uh, 2021 year when he averaged uh, 19 points a game and seven rebounds, but then he did it with this level of defense that he has now, well, guess what? That Michael Porter Jr. is a borderline all-star player. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I think MPJ is just – if he had – if he again, he's the most accurate scorer – in the history of the Denver Nuggets. That's crazy to say, given who he's also playing with right now. He's playing with Joker, Jamal, that means Alice English, David Thompson, Dan Izzo, all these players, Carmelo Anthony, the most the most accurate score in the history of the sport for the Nuggets is Michael Porter Jr. So I think that this is about maximizing that. That means get him more shot attempts. Yeah, no problem. That's cool. But I'm not going to change his role. If anything, he's a play finisher. He can sometimes be a play starter. But I want Michael Porter Jr. doing what he does best, finishing plays with more efficiency than anybody else on the team. I think one of the reasons why I ask this question, because if if he if – because he, he has aspirations, right? He's talked about those. He's talked about wanting to, like mostly this year, like get better within his role. But I think he sees himself as having – still a long runway in the NBA and wanting to be able to expand his game at some point. Maybe it's not this year, but I do think that because that is kind of in his mind in, in the forefront of his mind, I, I just would not shock me if they decide to go a different direction and try to push him a little bit more to run some pick and roll with Joker, run some like the additional DHO or, or maybe staggering with that second group and, and playing with Murray directly. Like, I, I think that those guys could definitely benefit from, Hey, you know, the, the play that Julian circled around to the top of the key. You don't think that Mike could do that too. Like I, I think having both of those guys would be even, even crazier. So that's one of the things I'm, I'm thinking about, especially as he, as he continues to prove his health, like yep. maybe Denver can trust him a little bit more. I think that's one of the reasons why they haven't trusted him as much lately or like uh, this last year was because they don't know whether he, he's going to stay on the floor. But now that he has for a full season, you might as well go for it, right? Well, yeah, I think too. We saw Michael Porter Jr. look without uh, Jokic. Now with that, remember that Dallas Mavericks game? I think he had five points. He scored. Yeah, he had five points. I think the last three points he had with that game winner. Uh, off the right wing last year. You probably don't even remember this game. That was a Bones Highland game. Uh, Bones mm. Highland had a really good game that game as well. And Porter is just – they have to find his shot because they have just limited his role. Similar to how Julian Strother was at Gonzaga. Like Gonzaga told him, you're an all-around scorer, but we don't want you to be that. We want you to be able to be a play finisher as a shooter, and then you can get to the rim when you can. But bro, and I, I said this before, you know, in the Minnesota Timberwolves series – you know, Porter, I think, uh, at least until game five, it might have been all the way through game five, he was shooting 83% on his drives. Like, he can do it. He can finish. You just got to get him the ball going to the basket or let him get himself to the basket. So, and Porter, even in the Portland Trailblazers game on December 23rd last year, I watched entirely too much different Nuggets game. He even had some really good finishes in that game as well. Like, again, like he was collapsing the defense and getting there, but a lot of the supporter is, getting him to allow him to play within the offense and doing that. But even that, Porter doesn't hijack the offense. You know who hijacks the offense more than Michael Porter does? Jamal Murray. But it's Jamal Murray, so we don't care. So I think it's just allowing him to get more shot attempts up. It's fine. 
but I don't think he needs to have a different role because he's perfect. And he's a max player at that yeah. role, by the way. Yeah, and they, they are perfectly comfortable with what he's doing right now. I, I'm more like I'm more looking out for what he wants rather mm-hmm. than and especially when when he has been like the, the me guy quote came out. Like when he's been labeled like that, I think you try to appease a guy like in, in some ways and try to work that in while also blending him into what you're doing. And and they've done a masterful job of that already. I just think that they can push him even further because he's so he's so talented. Like you, you might as well see what you can get more out of him, in my opinion. But we will see. Uh, let's go to number four here. This could be a quick one. Will no. Aaron Gordon play any backup center this regular season? No, I agree. I I, I wanted to throw this out no. there because, like, it think about the way that Denver's bench is con, is constructed right now. It would be nice to have a second front court player there other than Zeke Naji. Peyton Watson, I think, is more of a wing. Aaron Gordon would make sense as kind of a bigger body, but I think you're going to wait until the playoffs. Sure. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you know that Clay Thompson was going to play the four times this year? Uh, yeah, I've, I've actually made fun of the Warriors for doing so. Do you know that Terrence Mann is playing the four this year for the Clippers? And honestly, that one bothers me because it, it was labeled that way. But, like, he's going to guard ones and twos. Like they're they're not having Who's guarding the four. Kawhi. Mm. Or Paul George. Uh. Those guys are like those guys are huge. Yeah. Why would you, One why of would them also them? has degenerative knees. Yeah, I mean, but like how many fours are actually like like putting that much pressure on you? I think that Clay is even like like Clay's coming off of an Achilles tear and an ACL tear. Well, so Kawhi three- has also had issues. Like he's also reason, way bigger anyway. But the reason I ask is that when you're that, when you, again, Gordon's a freak athlete. He's humongous, but he ain't that big. And when yeah. you have to play center that much and you're that size, I think that's just be entirely too taxing for his body. Doing it for 20 games was a lot. Anthony Davis, the reason he didn't want to play center his whole career was because he was already injury prone. But then playing the center, at worst, again, at worst in the Western Conference, you're playing versus now Victor Wimbenyama, who apparently is the greatest thing of all time. If you saw the Warriors game yesterday. Also then, starting at the four, by the way. Right. Well, okay, yeah. but Zach Collins and Victor, and then you're playing versus DeAndre Ayton with Blazers, and then you're playing versus uh, Walker Kessler with the Utah Jazz, and then obviously, like, you know, Alfred Shingoon and Jock Landale. Those are basically your worst centers and your worst under worst teams in the West. Now you go to the top, you're playing versus Joker, and you're playing versus Anthony Davis, and then you're playing versus, uh, you know, Kevon Looney and Draymond Green. That's just entirely too much physicality. So I think that for Aaron, I would just protect him by not asking him to do that. You know what, Zeke Naji, you're perfectly serviceable backup five in a regular season, and so is DeAndre Jordan. And honestly, we all know those minutes aren't that important. Everybody makes a big deal about backup center minutes. They don't matter. You know why? Because if you're flush with wings and flush with the superstar level or a star level guard, then you're able to mitigate those minutes. It's really that simple. It's going to be fascinating because they didn't work on it at all during the regular season. And it just didn't matter. Like it just, it just didn't like they were, they were killing it regardless. So maybe maybe they're working on it behind the scenes and we just didn't really know about it that much. Uh, But it is like, I mean, he's, he was fantastic at it and didn't have to change that much in order to make it happen. But I like a playoff lineup of like off the second unit with, uh, Ag Jamal, 
uh maybe Peyton, I guess. Like by by, by that yeah, time. Yeah, by then, yeah, by that time. Yeah, yeah. and then uh and Julian Schrauter and Christian, Christian Brown, Brown and that Julian would be Schrauter. lethal. Yeah. That, that would be, be great. Lethal. If if they could get to that point, then they they have everything that they need with a I just second want you unit to know, like that. I'm gonna be pushing two agendas again this year. Dallas Bruce Christian Brown one. Obviously, everybody knows that's coming. Uh Peyton Watson, Jaden McDaniels is gonna be the next one. So I hope everybody's ready for that. That will be coming. Um, I'm looking for hey, that's I, I would love it. I, I want to see it too. Uh Alex Caruso with great hair. What does that lineup what does that leap look like for uh for C B? Look, I mean again, I know people laugh like, well, they're what do you think Caruso and Christian Brown have in common is that they're white. The same thing with Arvita Simonis and Jokic. I don't I just don't I don't see it. Like I just I don't like it. I don't like when people say it. Now again, if you look at Simonis in the Olympics, he was a monster. Like he destroyed David Robinson, so I get that. But Jokic ain't like that. He ain't dunking on people and all this other stuff. Arvina was a different athlete than Joker. Christian Brown legitimately play style looks like Alex Caruso. An on-ball guard, an off-ball guard, on-ball defender, off-ball defender, help defender, zone defender, and rim protector. Alex Caruso is a freak. A freak. <laughs> and I think Christian Brown is a freak. He's one of the most athletic players in this class. The dude has a 40-inch vertical, and he's six foot six. That's huge. Yeah, it so is. So what does the league look like? More efficient offensive player, a marginally better playmaker and creator. And then on top of that, the fact of the matter is that dude, think about what does a smarter defensive version of Christian Brown look like? That's what makes you elite. Figuring out the game of basketball and being an anticipatory. That's a, that's a, that's a pickaxe and roll word. An anticipatory defender. That's what it. you need from Christian Brown. <laughs> and and like I, I think that's gonna be part of it. I think the shooting and the confidence shooting is going to be part of it. There were definitely times last year where he would pass up some looks on the perimeter and mm-hmm. decided, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna drive into the teeth of the defense and try to finish over a guy when he didn't have to do that if he just took the open three. So if he can get to that confident place where he he picks and chooses his spots more accurately. And he's more anticipatory of of the defense and, and what that's going to look like. Uh, then I, I think that that'll that'll be great. But I'm thinking 25 minutes per game. I'm thinking 10 points per game, three rebounds per game, three assists per game. Basically, what Bruce Brown averaged, and and seeing whether he could get to that place or not. But we're gonna find out, man. Like I I, I think he's gonna play a ton, and it's too bad that we didn't get to see him this preseason because I would have loved to see what he looked like with that bench unit and with Jamal staggering, but I guess we're going to have to figure that out on the fly. Yeah. I'm excited for him, man. I think that he has a really interesting game and I'm curious to see how he expands on that. But yeah, man, I just think defensively, I, I think for a couple of players, I think him and Aaron Gordon and KCP, KCP's fine. Like, you know, he doesn't need to change anything. You know, I think maintaining his efficiency, but I think that Aaron Gordon and Christian Brown should be the two players on the roster that are like are competing for like all defense spots. I think they're that good at defenders. He's got to improve that steal rate, uh, the steal rate and the block rate. Those are those are the ones that people look at when they're looking at mm-hmm. defensive metrics of like, okay, oh wow, your defensive box plus minus was plus two point five. Why was it that high? Well, it's because you're getting a whole bunch of boards, because you're getting a whole bunch of steals, and because you're getting a whole bunch of blocks. That's uh, interesting. Those- What's Who's the player on the Nuggets that has the highest steal rate among big, was top 10 steals amongst all players, and then also was one of the three best rebounders in the league that had a very high defensive box plus minus. Everybody said it was gas because of some 
logical fallacies and then averaged a less than 0.74 point per possession as a pick and roll defender as a big in the playoff versus the Minnesota Timberwolves, Anthony Edwards, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, the Phoenix Suns, LeBron James, Anthony Davis with the Lakers, and then Jimmy Butler and Duncan Robinson and Kyle Lowry in the finals. Who, who could that have been that we were saying was a very good defender, especially in the clutch and had the number two clutch rating in the NBA last year and then proceeded to be the best clutch team in the NBA finals and playoffs. Huh, I can't remember who it was. Yeah, I guess we'll never know. Uh, number six, who are the trust guys off the bench this year? Uh, this is a group that I think Christian Brown automatically kind of graduates into this tier uh, based off of what, what he did last season. Michael Malone basically said already, hey, you are – uh, going to be the the first man off the bench, the sixth man. I, I'm wondering who joins him that this season. Are and how many guys will there be? I did this list yesterday, bro. I think right now, Christian Brown, Julian Strother, Zeke Naji, just because I think that Zeke's played well and I think he's a backup big. And you know, I think it's going to be Reggie Jackson as of right now. But I think finally. It's going to be between Justin Holiday and Peyton Watson. I think those are your rotating five. And I think Peyton is about development. I think Justin might get the first go. I think Peyton's going to play, though. But Justin might get the first go just because he's like a meh player. Like, he doesn't hurt you, hurt you, but he also is not a positive either. You know, so I think that's probably going to be the first five off the bench. So I remember we we talked a few days ago when we were talking about setting this up, and, and you, you talked to me about the idea of there not being a backup point guard because Jamal will stagger be and because you, you could see a, a playmaking leap from guys like Christian Brown and, and surprise stuff from Julian Strother and things like that. Yeah. I wonder if that leads Reggie to not be a trust guy. I think he'll play immediately. And I think that Michael Malone is going to try to force feed that a little bit, especially in the early months of the season, but that doesn't make him a trust guy to me. I, I think that if I had to boil it down, I think that Christian Brown is going to be the only trust guy because we talked about this uh, with Bruce Brown all of last season, basically the only guy that you could say in the regular season that actually played consistently and didn't have his minutes kind of yanked around every here and there was, was Bruce Brown. Sometimes Christian Brown played five minutes. Sometimes he played 25 minutes. Sometimes Zeke Naji played 20 minutes off the bench. Sometimes he played six and I think you're going to have a lot of that where sometimes Justin Holiday isn't going to play at all. Sometimes Reggie, like, he'll play six minutes. And if that's the yeah. case, then I think that you're probably just going to boil it down to Christian and see if he could handle some extra playmaking responsibility. Maybe try to piece some things together with Julian Strother. Who knows? Maybe he develops into a, a trust guy. Maybe Zeke Naji develops into a trust guy. I just don't think they're there yet. I think personally... I think Julian Strother is locked in. The fact that a rookie didn't play in the final preseason game, Ryan, what? And he was perfectly healthy. He's fine. I don't know. They they can say whatever they are. Yeah, DNP rest. They didn't even need to see him. He averaged 18 on 50-50-85 splits. Something like that. Like, disgusting. What do you mean? He didn't play. (laughs) They didn't let him play. They let the rookie, the freshman, rest. In the last game to show your stuff. It's shown we enough. Know why? It's because shown everything. 
he they didn't want they were like with him we need to see more Peyton and Hunter Tyson that's what they said so I think he's a trust guy because like there's nobody else that Michael Malone would do that for they didn't even do that as a porter yeah that's wild like there there are certain things that they needed to see from Julian Strother to like show that he should be there I think he's gonna be there uh, Denver's not practicing today. They're practicing tomorrow. That's one of the questions that I'm going to ask Michael Malone at practice. Like, is Julian Strother in that circle of trust for you? Like, with with what he's done. You know, uh, because the circle of trust with the Denver Nuggets. Who? Ryan Ryan Blackburn. Hey, circle baby. Guy. You already know. You already know. Circle they, of trust guy. They know. They know what they know. They know what they know. It's, <laughs> it's all good. Uh, let's do let's do one more before we hit another break. The Nuggets will dominate the regular season if what. If what happens in your mind? They show up. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> uh, I think they had the 20, they had a 29th ranked bench last year in the NBA. Uh, their five-man unit, uh, according to Cleaning the Glass, which I believe it was, well, again, against uh, against quality teams that played like 400-plus minutes together, uh, they were two behind the Warriors. But then the Warriors, we also know, had a limited sample size because of the injuries, all this other stuff. I think they're going to have the best net rating in basketball again. And they're going to be better this year with another year under their belt. Oh, by the way, no 25-game lag from Jamal Murray. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. It's a big deal. Jokic is 28. Murray 26. Porter 25. Aaron Gordon is 28. Hmm. That's interesting. And then KCP is 30. And then if the bench is not – I said this to Adam the other day. What if the bench isn't 29th? What if the bench is 23rd this year? It's a big difference. It really so is then, for a team like Denver where it could make the difference between two to three wins at least. And then on top of that, if you just look at their loss profile last year, remember they lost those games uh, in December. The Jokic came back when he came back from COVID. He came back. They lost to Detroit in Denver. And then they had those losses versus the Spurs at the end of the year, the Rockets at the end of the year. They had the loss to the Bulls at the end of the year and then the Raptors. That's five just whatever losses. Say you flip a couple of those because they care about them. Now what? Now what? And then even the, the the 76ers game, remember, they were up 15. And, the, yep. and going into the end of the third quarter, what if they close that game out like they usually do? So that's what I mean. That's six losses right there. Yep. So you're telling me a team that won 53 games has a better roster? A, a, a Jokic that obviously is already like Mamba mentality, fully locked into it. Yeah, I just think that this is a team that they could eat. And I, I remember Matt Moore – who we, you know, Matt Moore, obviously Action Network, you know, he said he had them winning like 49 games or something like that earlier, like as of a couple of weeks ago. And yeah. I just thought that, I told him, I thought that was ludicrous. Like, you just settled. It, it is ludicrous. Like, right. that, that's too low of a number. But he had the Mavericks, like, I think, uh, like, uh, like going like top two or three or whatever else. So, like, again, I understand the basketball reading the half court offense with the Mavericks and everything else, but the Nuggets, I think, are going to be a house this year. I think, Ryan, I'm not even kidding you. If they if they decide to play seventy five games this year for real, they're gonna win. They could win sixty games, bro. That's how good that they was. Oh, that's see, that's that's a bold prediction right there. Um, I think so. Here's here are some of the the health numbers for Denver last year. Jokic played sixty nine games. Murray played sixty five. KCP played seventy six. Ag played sixty eight. Porter played sixty two. Bruce Brown played eighty. Um, yeah. And then Jeff Green played 56. Bones, uh, well, skip Bones Highland. Uh, Christian Brown played 76. Blacko played 60. Zeke played 53. So, like, some of that is at the end, especially, is is like a, a rotational choice here or there. But if Denver stays they didn't play a relatively, lot of games. 
Yeah, if they stay in that relatively same area, with except Jamal's going to play 65 elite games as opposed to 65 meh games at the beginning and then really great mm-hmm. at the end, uh, I think that this team should win 55. Like They, they should do that. I, I think that you got to kind of battle against injuries, and, and Denver obviously is a little bit more... They're a little bit more at risk to that than other teams yeah. because of how great their starting group is. If you tamper with that at all, then I think it, it makes the rest of the. Yeah, group but weaker. I think the thing is they can beat Memphis and the Kings if Porter's down and they got to put like Julian or Peyton or Hunter or even Justin Holiday there. Like I'm saying that, like even then, they're still like that good. But again, I, this is what I'm saying. Like Porter, I think people have this thing with Porter. Porter is the difference between you being a really good team. And you being the best team in the NBA. That's what yeah. Porter is. Porter is the ceiling raiser for this team. Jamal Murray is the ceiling raiser when he Jamal Murray, his floor, that 25 and 5 player, you know, that's that's about his floor. But Jamal Murray, that you know, 27, 6 and, and 5, 80% true shooting, Jamal. That's like the we're gonna stomp the Lakers out with 53 points of three-quarter span, basically. You know what I mean? That's what takes you over the top. So they don't need that. If they just have average play from all those people together and then they get the bench to play on the string defensively, I just think people are just, like, missing a lot. Like, almost as if they're just – I don't know. Like, it's fun. Ryan, let me ask you this. I don't, I don't mean to – I want to ask you a question. Are you good? Yeah. I just feel like when people talk about them, man, like, the make the Bruce Brown and Jeff Green losses, which are legitimate, such a big deal. But I'm just like, but what other – like what other team that runs through it's like a, a, a NBA at 16 and four like that? Are you concerned about the Warriors losing losing Sean Livingston, who's a great player, but they still got Steph Curry, Clay, and Dre? What are you talking about? They got Harrison yeah. Barnes on the roster. What do you mean? It's it's one of those things that it's wishful thinking for other fan bases mostly, where oh this this has to come back down to earth, right? They only they won fifty three games last year, but it's like I mean their net rating was it wasn't as good as it as as some of these other teams like oh man Boston and Milwaukee look at the way that those teams really loaded up and Phoenix they just traded for Bradley Bill we'll get to that in just a hit in in a little bit but uh I do think that it's more wishful thinking that for people rather than logical thinking of like okay well Jokic is still going to play seventy plus games in all likelihood and then he'll average thirty three minutes a night. If that's the case, and if Murray is at an all-star level, then what do you really need? This is the best starting lineup in basketball. Like outside of that, like this is a this is pencil in 50. Like that's just right. that's what you need to do. And like the actual range of this is uh let's see, uh, let's see how hard we want to go during the regular season. And let's see if we want to make a statement during the regular season. So right. that's that's where I think it's at. But Tell you what, folks, let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to wrap up by talking about other teams around the league and what Denver's facing next. We'll be right back. back 
Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Weekends with Swipe Edition on this Saturday, now, now afternoon. Uh, really appreciate everybody for stopping by, and I hope uh, I hope this becomes a mainstay for everybody during the regular season, which is just a few days away. It's actually three days away, Swipe. Three days away for when the season is tipping off, and it's uh, it's moving very quickly. Um, there's been a lot of talk about. The Suns, there's been a lot of talk about the Lakers. There's been a lot of talk about the Warriors. Did any of these Western Conference teams improve enough in your eyes to actually challenge the Nuggets? Of course. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I think that like sports is just, you just can't think about it like that. I just think it's mm. everyone, the King can challenge them. So can Memphis. There's no such thing. You know, it's so funny, even if you get beat by eight points, that's four possessions. Eight points sounds like a lot. Oh, you got a 105 to 97 victory? Oh, whatever, whatever. But like that's what I'm saying. Like, it's four possessions. And yeah. I think even three, you know, three, two, three-pointers and, you know, obviously a two or whatever. I just think that, like, they're going to be better, but they're because they're better because of the margins are better. Like, the Suns are going to be good. Every, and, you know, everybody's downplaying Bradley Beal. Like, oh, Bradley Beal, you know. Like last two years of his career, you know, I'm like, Bradley Bill's a good player. Like, he's an all-star, former all-NBA player. Like, why is somebody so dismissive? Now, is pull-up shooting and a less physical team going to stop the Nuggets? Probably not. Is a Yusuf Nurkic anchored defense that just got demoralized by Anthony Davis in a preseason game? Gonna, probably not. But that team is still very good. The Lakers, I respect the Lakers. The Lakers are a very good team. They're a very physical team. They're almost as physical as the Nuggets. And they're big. They're just not as big as the Nuggets. So this is what I'm saying. Like, everybody can challenge them. But the, the Timberwolves challenged the Nuggets. And they won that series 4-1. But I don't think any Nuggets fan or any Nuggets writer like yourself would say that they just ran through that series. Those were good games. And that was a good team they played. So the Nuggets are just – the Nuggets will play, I think, as good as they need to to beat you. That's just how they operate. The only team that I saw them just shellax for no reason – with no contempt for how they feel, was the Clippers when they were 43 points in the second quarter. <laughs> that was that, awesome. Do that. <laughs> that was that was that's maybe my favorite game of all time because like everything went right for the Nuggets that night, and you could just see the Clippers like in in the first quarter, just like that we should not have showed up. And Paul George <laughs> and, and and PG were there that game too. They were fully yeah. healthy that game. Oh no, they they I remember Paul George talking about it on his show. Uh, he talked about like the altitude. It just, it just they just blitzed us, and we had like mm-hmm. we got we got sat down in the second half. They like Tyloo was like, "You guys are done," <laughs> which right. is hilarious. Paul George does great impressions. He's a that's a good podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I think I think that the Suns are going to be a better. They they might be a better regular season team than the Nuggets this year. They they might win more games, and the reason for that is because all their role players really have to do surrounding what their main guys are going to be doing from a consistent basis. All their guys have to do is defend, especially in the regular season. Like Yusuf Nurkic should not be trying to do anything more other than passing and defending. And Grayson Allen should be locked in on the defensive end and uh, Nasir Little and guys like that. Like that, that team I think is going to challenge Denver for the top of the West. I actually had them in my predictions at 53 and 29 and Denver at 52 and 30. Um, I think that the Lakers will be better during the regular season this time around. Obviously, they don't have to uh, kind of massage the the problems that they had with Russell Westbrook on their roster, and now their roster is just better than, than when it was. Um, 
and there's there's a lot of teams I think you could make Did that. Did you see Anthony Davis uh, in the preseason game? This versus the Suns? I didn't. I'm telling you, I say this right now. If AD plays 65 games, he's probably the DPL wide on a landslide. Mm. That dude is incredible, bro. Nurkis tried to challenge him multiple times, and it just was like, what are you doing? Why <laughs> would you try to lay the ball up there? He kept sending shot back to the sender. And on top of that, they, the Lakers, what I love about them is they do, they funnel everything towards this, like, this black hole in the middle of their defense with Anthony Davis. So, like I said, they're not a joke. The problem is, is that the Nuggets are the only team that can just tell Anthony Davis, all right, cool, get out of the paint, or you're going to get dotted up. <laughs> yeah, or or you're going to have to guard AG, and, and right. that causes a whole different list of problems, especially now. Like, Denver's not going to be taken by surprise by the Rui Hachimura adjustments like they were for a quarter of of this last uh, this last playoff series. Oh, no. so, watch Michael. Yeah, Michael Porter Jr. Let's just put him at the four and just end all this right now. Yeah, That's exactly. Like it shouldn't be should not be an issue at all. Um, number nine, which Eastern Conference team is the scariest in an NBA final setting? Oh man, bro, that's a tough freaking question, bro. Probably. Probably Boston. Mm. I think the thing people, me at least, I've seen Dame play. I know exactly what you, we, this is the thing. The Nuggets are most familiar with Damian Lillard. We've already know what he does. We've watched Dame since 2012. Everybody in Denver knows who he is. We've seen him from 2014 in that shot over the Houston Rockets all the way through the playoff. We saw him versus the Nuggets. And and most people in in Colorado are Dame fans. Like they like Damian Lillard. So, I think Boston, just because, like, the unfamiliarity with that city, they're so, like, we never run into Boston. And then we don't have any beef with Boston. Like, we we just never had, like, a thought. And we've always had mutual respect for the program. But then the Nuggets also hadn't beat Boston in Boston since. And you can look this up. It's been a while since they beat Boston in Boston. You know, the, the one game that I can think about where they actually did it, you remember the game that Emmanuel Modier had, like, Oh my god! Twenty-five in the first quarter, or something like that. Yeah, two thousand fifteen. Awesome. Yeah, that's the one that I can. That's the only one that I can think of. I think they've lost every other matchup. But again, again, some of this is just situational. Like Jokic had forty-three points up there, but that was the Faku year. We lost two games that year, not because of Faku compiled it. was Malone with Faku? Because remember, mm. Faku played seventeen straight minutes to close that game, and seventeen yeah. straight minutes to close that. You know, the last time uh, the Clippers beat the Nuggets. Faku played 17 straight minutes to close that game, and they started double-teaming everybody in Joker off of Faku. What does that mean? Oh, do what? you see this thing? Have you seen this thing before? No, what is that? This says, join us, Argentinians against Ryan Blackburn. March as we uh, <laughs> march with us as we bring awareness to issues regarding Faku Campazzo and Faku cynic Ryan Blackburn. Uh, <laughs> I had somebody make that for me. That was uh that is hilarious, bro. <laughs> yeah, it, no. it, I think because of Drew Holiday, Justin and Justin and, and not Justin, Drew Holiday, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and then Derek White, they're just gonna have a lot of people to throw at Jamal. I don't really KP and, and Al Horford, they're gonna get like yeah, they're gonna get just they're, yeah, they're gonna get demolished by Joker. But that's a given. I think Michael Porter Jr. actually has a good series versus him too, just because of the off-ball spacing. But I think that Jamal having to deal with all those defenders 
the th- the good thing is that his true shooting will be down in the finals. But guess what? So will Jason Tatum and Drew Holidays and Jalen Brown. So that's the offset. <laughs> um, Jamal has a 50, yeah. 50, 55 uh, true shooting in the NBA finals. But so did three of their other players. You know, Jokic is rising above it with a 64. Yeah, that's which is again, it's just another another way to set himself apart. Um, no, I think that you've got it right. I, I think the problem with Milwaukee is, I mean, you you can't just solve the Dame Giannis pick and roll. Like it's going to be way more challenging than that, and it, it feels like an insolvable problem. Um, but Denver has faced those kinds of problems before. Like with the Suns, for example, when everybody was like, I don't know how they're going to guard that team. And then they guarded that team. Like, it's just like, you just don't know how it's going to turn out until you actually do it. I think with Boston, the number of options that they have is the factor. Like having six guys that could match Denver's top six, I think is like, that's a big deal. And you say that, but like Derek White is a, is clearly a top 100 player, despite what ESPN would tell you. And, yeah, uh, I, think, I think Boston can. I think the difference is Boston just doesn't have – bro, and you know what was sad about last year? Their six losses they had in the clutch, those were mostly because of their uh, their defense. They had like a one – they had like a negative 42 net rating, I think, in the clutch last year Jesus. in the playoffs. Yeah. Like their offense sank to like a 90-something, and then their defense was like a 130-something. So they just don't have like – there's just something about them. They just don't have like – this great execution or, or whatever else it might be. And then on top of that too, like if you're telling me Aaron Gordon and KCP and Christian Brown are going to be able to like, that's the thing. If you're saying Drew Holiday, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are your best offensive options, they're very good. But I think the other side of that is sit down wings are easier for the Nuggets to defend than speedy, very high caliber point guards, which is Dame and Steph. But the difference is, is the Milwaukee Bucks cannot, and I repeat, cannot defend the Nuggets. So they're going to try Brooke Lopez and Giannis and all that, but that POA is getting destroyed. And if you don't have a Nikhil Alexander Walker or a Drew Holiday or one of those players, like you saw what happened to the Lakers. The Lakers had a great interior defense, but if you're telling me Jamal Murray's biggest asset is, you know, Jared Vanderbilt, then yeah, you're getting, you're going to get cooked. What if the Bucks traded for Nikhil Alexander Walker tomorrow? No. What are you what are you saying this to me? No, he's coming to Denver. Stop saying this. <laughs> I just want to hear I'm, this. I'm here to say it because like they can find that kind of player that could give Denver not issues, but like make it a little bit more palatable. And then, like you said, with the way that the Bucks are gonna score, I think there's a possibility that they're not gonna have to slow down Denver all the way. They're just gonna have to slow down Denver a little bit to make it competitive. This will be the second time in two years, which the Nuggets, for some reason, didn't listen to Swiper. Remember, Derek White was at the Spurs. Remember they got him for a first-round pick? Yeah. And we all were like, Cal, yeah. I, I was like, doing? what is going on? This this was the perfect opportunity. And then they got KCP, and it didn't matter. But, like, still. Well, I'm saying, but, but, but Derek White is like a, uh, you know, Derek White, it was a first-round pick, and – I mean, it was for nothing. Like, it was just for nothing. And I think players like that are available for nothing. Jared Vanderbilt. Two seconds? I think I think, I think Nikhil Alexander-Walker is one of those players where it's just like, oh, 
uh, the Heat are going to get him for absolutely nothing. And the next thing you know, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Jimmy Butler, and Bam Adebayo are the best defense of all time. That's right. one of those kind of players that I don't I, – I just – yeah. So if they got something like that, then yeah. I mean, of course. I think Nikhil – I think Nikhil, a 6'6 combo guard that can D up like that, I think they're incredible. I think I'm going to say Boston too on this, but it is a, I think it's a legitimate debate. I, I really do. And there, there are like, both of those teams are going to be super dangerous and we're just right. going to have to find out. But number 10, we got to wrap up with this, put it on the table right now. Are the Nuggets going to win another championship? Yes. Yes. Uh, I got my little season predictions coming out, I think Monday. And uh, yeah, I think the Denver Nuggets win another title. I think they have the most unsolvable player uh, in the NBA uh since lebron james at his apex and uh, I, I mean to say that like i don't think i think steph was incredible too but great offensive player but i think when the bigger you are and the more unsolvable you are the more dangerous you are and i think there's not been a player like this since lebron at his apex and before lebron i don't think there's another player like this if you outside of kobe you want to say michael jordan i just think i think he's that good so you know you got you got him on your court and it's just like I think when you have a, a player on your team, Ryan, where it's just like you're conceding a 30-point triple-double on high efficiency, you're conceding that. Like, we're conceding that LeBron can average 35, 10, and, and 8 in the series. Like, it's just going to happen. Yeah, then, you know, it's just it's just too much. So I think that, yes, I think they will. I think Jamal's going to ascend. I think the bench gets marginally better than it was last year because it has to be. can't be 29th again. Uh, then on top of it, I think the starters, you know, if they're locked in, I think they're just better than anybody else. I think there's a lot of different factors that are going to go into this, but I think, like you said, Denver has too many things to work in their favor that other teams don't. The, the first being is that they do have the best player in the world. Like you said, that's a, that is an undeniable factor that more often than not, the best player in the world is going to have a great shot at winning. Right. And he's in his prime. The rest of the Nuggets core are in their prime. And right. you put that together and you put all of the things that Denver has been working on that they will be working on over the course of this regular season. We don't necessarily know the answers to the bench yet. We don't know the we don't know the answers to the rotations yet, what it's going to look like in full. But what we do know is that the Nuggets have the talent and that they had the talent last year. It was just about putting it together on both ends of the floor, and they did. Nothing is going to stop them from doing that again this next year. And like we talked about, they've, they've got other matchups in the Western Conference, in the Eastern Conference that could give them issues at various points. But you still have the best player in the world. You've still got the best duo in the world. And you still have this unstoppable offense led by the Joker. And if he can continue that, then they have such an advantage over the rest of the world. And I, I just I think it's going to be a, an overwhelming for other teams. You know what I can't wait for? What? They already did it, did it last playoff, but Jamal Murray's so good this year. It's going to be like Kenyon Martin uh, on the, I don't know if you saw the Showtime click on the Gilbert Arena show uh, where they said that he said that Kyrie's the best player on that roster uh, over Luka, which I understand why Hoopers say that. I, I can I can genuinely understand why they say that, but I would hope that one day, like sometime this year, Jamal Murray is so good or just like, like you're giving Joker all this MVP buzz, but has he even been the best player on the team through the first 50 games of the year? I would love that. That's the reality I want to live in. That would be fun. Like, hey, Joker's gone for 25, 12, and 10. Ryan Blackburn. 
Joker's gone for 25, 12, and 10. And Jabal's gone for 26 and seven right. assists and things like that. And people are like, you know, I mean, we, we give all this credit to Nicola, but Jamal is really the guy who like, I, and I can, I can hear that. I can, I can mm-hmm. absolutely hear that segment. Uh, I can hear uh, the, the ESPN segment with Kendrick Perkins as well, where he's just me. like, put some respect on this brother's name. Jamal mm. Murray is the MVP of the Denver Nuggets. And if that's the case, then Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in the world. And I, I can already, I can already hear that. I, it's it's going to be fascinating. It's going to be funny. But I, mean, I have two agen- I have two major agendas on the scene. One is Joker's going to be a top ten player all time, and Jamal Murray just as good as I think he is, which is top fifteen might not be high enough when it all sudden said and done. So that's cool. That's cool with me, Brian. <laughs> you are a Jamal Murray guy too. If if it's a conversation where is he a top ten player in the league so far this season, I think Ryan Blackburn will be a very happy man. Yeah, it's like uh, we we go back and forth, and you give me shit by uh, because sometimes I, I my takes are not strong enough for Jamal Murray. When in reality, like I'm I'm gonna soak it all in, man. It's it's gonna be great. It's gonna be fun. And if he is if he is breaking out the way that you think he will, then the Nuggets are gonna be unbelievable. And sixty games, sixty wins, and then rolling through the playoffs is a strong possibility as well. So I'm looking forward to it, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be a great year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm looking forward to all of it. Folks, I think that is going to do it for this episode of Weekends with Swipa. Everybody, thank you for tuning into the show. Uh, this will be a weekly occurrence from now going forward. Swipa and I are going to be uh, probably going for about 45 minutes to an hour most of these episodes. But the next time that we get to speak, we're going to speak about actual games. To speak about mm-hmm. the Denver Nuggets and what they do, of how they handle opening night and ring night, how they handle some of the uh, some of the other stuff coming to them. Going to be a lot of fun, I think. On the schedule, let me just pull this up right now. I think I have us going again next Saturday after the Nuggets face the Grizzlies on that Friday night. So okay. should be fun. Should be an awesome season. Swiper, thank you so much for hopping on with me, man. Anything you want to? Uh, chat about before we head out of here. No, I'm good, man. I'm excited to be here. We waited three long months to get the season back again. So, uh, you will have a hundred episodes coming from both Ryan and I uh, over the course of the season. So, a lot of content to get to. Hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of Ryan and I talking. There's been a ton of talking for sure. <laughs> they're not gonna, they're not gonna miss it. They're not gonna miss any of this stuff. So everybody, hit that like button on the way out. Go subscribe to Swipe of Cam's YouTube channel and go subscribe to the Alley Oop with Ryan Blackburn. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys very soon. <laughs>